Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. live podcast recording of Bristopia. Now, for those of you that don't know the podcast, it's, uh, well, we've been doing it for about a year now. We put it out every month. I thought, you know what? Let's do a live show. That'll be fun. Okay, so, uh, I mean, what we do is we, uh, in the podcast, we talk about the things that have been happening over the last few weeks. Uh, every month, then we invite a guest on to talk about it, and then we finish the show with a long-form documentary segment produced by our American Internet Exchange team, Justin Crockler. We have to do things a bit different on stage here. Obviously, uh, an audio documentary won't, won't work so well out here on stage. So we're going to refocus it, make it more of a review of Bristol's 2015. So we're going to look back at the things that have happened all throughout the year. And we're going to invite loads of guests on. We've got a bunch of them coming up for you. Um, it's going to be a bit of a chat show vibe, so we've got that to look forward to. Uh, I'll run through a few of them now. We've got Bob Wildlife coming out, a local animal keeper, who is here to promote Bristol's Kindness Animals Initiative. And then we've also got uh, someone representing Bristol's creative side. That's Richard Biscuit, right there. He's got some books behind him. We'll find out what they mean later on. We've also got a young lady who's coming out. She wanted to be part of this show. She claims to be Artman Animation's number one fan, so that's pretty exciting. She's started writing her own Wallace and Gromit screenplay, so I, I suppose we might hear something from that later on. That's great. I mean, I asked her to send a, a headshot in so I could make it part of this presentation. She sent me this. I'm not sure if she really understood uh, that we'd blow it up <coughs> quite so grotesquely. Okay, so we've also got uh, our American Internet Exchange student, Justin. He's going to be joining us later on tonight. Uh, Justin isn't the only special guest tonight. Uh, we've got someone very special. He actually messaged me this morning, left me a voicemail, said he was definitely coming down. We've actually got Bristol Mayor George Ferguson joining us tonight. So we'll get to chat to him, find out what's, what, well, what the hell he's doing, really. But we'll, we'll find out later on. So, um, well, until then, you know, I don't know. I uh, I guess we should start the show. All right, let's do it. Okay, well, let's start as we mean to go on by meeting our first guest. It says here he's a uh, comedian. Oh, hang on, sorry, no, he's actually crossed that out and put poet. That's confusing. Maybe he's both. Please welcome to the stage, Richard Biscuit. Poet. Just poet. So not comedian then? 
I'm not anything else. Oh. Um, okay. It's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a sticking point. I've had some cease and desist letters. So. Right. Are, are you joking? Legally, I can't. That's. Uh... <laughs> Apparently, in order to, to call myself a comedian, uh, my act has to be at least twenty percent funny, um, and I've never really managed to. Um, I understand percentages, so... Oh, okay. Well, that, that's a shame. I thought you were going to come out here, tell us a few jokes, show us what you can do, but I guess that's not really on the cards then, is it? Richard? I sometimes write my poems on cards, and I don't want to accidentally make a pun and get sued. All right. Fine. Okay, well, um, tell us, what drew you towards poetry? Um, well, all, all the trappings of fame, really. Um, you know, the, um, the money. Of course. Uh, the women and uh, and the crippling self-doubt. That was the draw for you. Yeah, well, before I started doing poetry, I was um, I was quite arrogant. Um, but now I'd say that I'm endearingly modest. Indeed. Okay. Well, would you say that poetry is an inherently selfish pursuit? Well, I guess I'm doing it for, for money and women. So no. Where might we have heard you from before? Oh yeah. Oh so so in um, in Primark, um, you know when you're at the till and uh, and they play that thing that says cash in number four, please. You saying that's your voice? No, they commissioned me to write that. Um, so every time they play that out, I get uh, twenty hundredths of a penny. Um, so uh, yeah, but so if you're in Primark and uh, and number four's open, just wait a little bit and they'll play it again. And then I get a bit more. So. Just number four, though. Just number four. They work the rest out on their own, I think. So. so in terms of poetry, where might we have heard you? Right, yeah, so I've brought my CV along. Great. Uh, for this very reason, so... Um, Let's read it out. Okay. Uh, full name, uh, Richard Thomas Biscuit. <laughs> A.K.A. Rich T. Biscuit. What are you doing? What do you mean? Don't make fun of my name. Well, just because your name is... Age. 37. You're 37. Well, I mean, I measure my age, you know, in uh, in the number of like years that I've been alive, <laughs> or the number of poems I've written, you know, whichever's more. Thirty-seven poems is, you know, quite impressive. Yeah. Well, I've I've written twenty-seven. Right. Um, and I've just sort of plagiarised the rest. Age twenty-seven. Good. Okay. Uh, can we hear one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Biscuit. Round of applause, please. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously a performance poet. Um, don't worry, I'm, I'm just the same as you. Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, I go through most of my life uh, saying things that may or may not rhyme. Um, yeah, so I want to sort of talk to you a little bit about poetry and uh, give you some uh, examples of my poems. Um, basically, I mean, it's right, it's right to be excited. It's right, it's fine, you know, because obviously I'm going to give you all the tools that you need so that if you get inspired after tonight, uh, then, you know, you can be just like me. So, um, yeah, basically, to, to start with poetry, you want to start with a, a personal bugbear. Okay, so like, uh, like sand, um, or like mild asthma, um, or terrible poetry. That's, that's what I've gone for. So basically, describe that you just describe it using loads of adjectives. Okay, so uh, like, like this, terrible poetry, is uh, is tedious, boring, dull, 
and full of synonyms. Um, speaking of synonyms, I was going to teach you a couple of poetic terms now, so I'll just teach you what that... So synonym is when two words uh, sound different uh, but mean the same thing. Um, I, uh, I lo looked up synonym in a, in a thesaurus and uh, it said equivalent, because um, that's what it means. Um, another, another phrase, or just another term, enficulate. That's, uh, that's the deliberate use of a pause or a break in, uh, in speech to build tension. And um, homonym, which is when, uh, when two words sound similar, uh, but actually both mean gay. Um, like queer and queen, you know. Um, it's not offensive. I'm not. I'm not against gays or anything. I'm not. Like obviously, you know, love. Love is love. Like poetry is the language of love. You know, a lot of people say that French is the language of love, but like French is the language of France. <laughs> love isn't a place, is it? Um, no. I just. I'll just. Just before I go into the poem, just I'll just answer all the questions that are obviously kind of swimming around this, this little casserole. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, very perceptive. Um, no, I'm not wearing these clothes as a dare, you know. It's, I'm making a statement, okay? And, you know, I'm trying to say the statement is like, I like these clothes. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe, um, but I'd have to check with my doctor probably. Poeming, yeah, so poeming, base, base, poeming is in my blood, you know, and, and like blood, it is an acquired taste. So I'd just like to <laughs> impart some of my wisdom that I read on the internet to you now in poem forms. So this is how to poem. Uh, this, is, this is written by me. Um, okay, so this metaphor is a dog. <laughs> this simile is like a metaphor. Or a dog. <laughs> Alliteration. Alliteration. Aardvark. <laughs> Repetition. Repetition. Alliteration. Aardvark. Dog. From before. <laughs> Improvisation. There wasn't a definition for this one, it just said make something up. Um, so. I suppose I'll make it up then. Uh, improvisation is when you preemptively plant a word uh, to rhyme it with the next line. Jafar. <laughs> Humour. Make sure it has broad appeal and isn't too niche. So a perfect example of that would be an enjambement walks into a bar. <laughs> enjambement. I don't want to have to explain the Joke. <laughs> and of course, I always like to end with a, a rhyming couplet. Um, I'm not saying that makes me as good as Shakespeare. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. It's up to you. Stop it. It's all right. So rhyming couplet. Condensing complex poetic ideas into one or two lines is reductive and just makes them shitter. For that, we have social media like Facebook or Tumblr or Instagram or Vine or Snapchat, or MySpace, or Google+, or LinkedIn, or Bebo, or Pinterest, or Flickr. <laughs> Finally, respect your audience. Um, and end strongly, yet humbly. 
thank you. <laughs> the fact that you've, you know, sat through all that is even, you're very lucky. Um, I'm excellent. And I've just written, I've just written ends to rapturous applause. So. <laughs> and they did, they did. Well done, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Biscuit. Are you going to, um, you going to uh, stick around for the rest of the show? Uh, what time is it? About quarter to nine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, don't force yourself. Fine. Where are you going? See. Oh my God. Okay. Well, um, I mean, thanks for that poem. Challenging stuff. Uh, I mean, it's not about Bristol. So, if you could just bear that in mind for whatever else you say tonight. Yeah. Good, okay. All right, well, I said this was going to be something of a review of Bristol's 2015, so why don't we take a look back what's been happening over the last 12 months. Where shall we start? January. Nice, okay, good. <laughs> Bristol kicked off the year by being made green crap capital, sorry, capital of <laughs> Europe, stealing the title from Copenhagen the previous year. We do talk about the poo bus later, so sneaky... Uh, to that. All right, but what Bristol lacks in big Scandinavian men with giant beards, it more than makes up for with pasty little hipsters with beards that are a bit shit. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bristol's mayor, George Ferguson, was busy with his own green ambitions, introducing the residential parking zone scheme. Now, this has been incredibly divisive, so much so that a local business owner in Clifton drove a tank straight through the village in protest. Presumably, the protest was over the unfathomably high cost of a permit required to own a fucking tank. I don't know how much it cost that guy, but I'm pretty sure it cost more than my Fiat Punto. It's not really a problem for me. No? No, I, well, I obviously cycle everywhere because it's better for the environment, isn't it? I didn't see uh, a bike out there, though. No, I live like a mile and a half away from here, so... So green, so green. <laughs> However, the move did leave some to wonder whether a tank protesting a parking zone was any more helpful than an ice cream van selling Mr. Whippy on the battlefield. It really is neither the time nor the place. First Bus also introduced a new fleet of vehicles in 2015 which were powered by human waste. Passengers went from complaining the buses were always late to not wanting them to arrive at all. Of course, this isn't the first time a first bus has been associated with the word shit, but it is the first time it hasn't been preceded by the words totally, really, completely, and uh, many other adverbs that have been previously used to demonstrate how thoroughly shitty they are. Foggy Bridge Mania hit Bristol like a moist mist earlier this year. As part of an art installation, fog was pumped out over Perrow's Bridge on the harbour side. It was very much like appearing on stars in their eyes with each commute, but <laughs> instead of arriving to an applauding audience, you instead emerged the realisation that you were recently promoted to the position of senior account executive and your dreams have already died. Good. Right, let's get to our next guest, considering the first one went so well, Richard. Yeah, if you could just uh, wait until I've introduced you, please. Why? What do you mean, why? Well, can't I just come on? Well, no, I need to talk to the audience, explain who you are, why you're here. That's how presenting works. Well, I think I can speak for myself, mate. I, uh, I did have a whole introduction planned. Yeah, well, I think I can explain who I am and what I do, so... Okay, fine. You coming out? Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Like the natural world. Whoa, is whoa. A you said you were going to introduce yourself. You just said it. We're in the hat, mate. So. Yeah, but you need to tell them who you are and why you're here. But you're the presenter. That's your job. Oh, my so. God. All right, fine. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's here to promote uh, Bristol's Kindness to Animals initiative. It's Wildlife Keeper, Bob Wildlife. Wildlife. 
that. Well, you're supposed to be walking out at this point. I just, I'll, I'll just stop it. Turn it off, yeah. Fuck's sake. Um, hi. Uh, yeah, I am Bob Wildlife. Um, it's very nice to be here. I, I was told I probably should come on and start with a joke, sort of uh, lighten the atmosphere a bit. Um, uh, what they've suggested is I come on and say, I know what you're thinking, uh, that's so-and-so, like a popular celebrity, that so-and-so's really let himself go, hasn't he? But it doesn't really work for me on two, two main levels, really. Firstly, uh, obviously, <laughs> haven't let myself go, so... And uh, secondly, I don't know what you're thinking. I was uh, rigorously psychologically tested as a young man, continually scored very, very low on the scale for empathy. So <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking. But uh, on the bright side, I don't care. So <laughs> that is just fine. So what I've done, I've written my own joke based on a thing that happened to me. I think you will like this one. So uh, I hid my wife's car keys and uh, she was looking for them behind the radiator. And I said, you're getting warmer. <laughs> and then she found them and she's left me. So um, <laughs> we'll, she, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll crack on. Um, so uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I am Bob Wildlife. I'm a wildlife ranger. I rescue animals in the southwest of England. Uh, my background, I come, I'm looking out here, I can see you're quite urbane, sophisticated city people. And that's okay, that's not your fault, but where, I was, where I'm from, people weren't really like that. I don't think we had the same standards of political correctness or personal hygiene as uh, the people in... My brother was 14 before anyone realised he was an albino. And then left him on a hillside to die. So, and uh, if you are going to get into leaving people on the hillside to die, just for your information, 14 is well beyond the cut-off. Uh, he just walked home. Um, so, The farmers where I grew up uh, still practice a, a thing called strip farming. Yeah, I'm looking out. I can see one or two very ignorant faces. Strip farming is a system of agriculture whereby every farmer is given a little patch of land on which to grow their crop and then at the end of the growing season whoever's crop has performed worst has to remove an item of clothing. Um, it can take decades to play out to any meaningful conclusion. There's always someone just takes off one welly and that's it till next September. Um, it's a slower pace of life. Uh, my dad was a very hard man, a tough man. I remember when I was about 12, my dad caught me smoking a cigarette. And he said, what we're going to do, Bob, is we're going to sit here and you're going to smoke cigarettes until you can look me in the eye and say, Dad, I never want to smoke another cigarette in my life. And uh, about an hour and a half later, I'd smoked seven embassy number ones. And I was able to look him queasily in the eye and say, Dad, I never want to smoke another cigarette in my life. And I never have. Um, and then about 18 months after that, he uh, caught me watching a pornographic film. <laughs> and he knew what to do. He said, Bob, we're going to sit here and we're going to watch pornography together until you can look me in the eye and say, Dad, I never want to watch another pornographic film in my life. And uh, we're still meeting up every fortnight for that. So, <laughs> so um, I can feel it dipping. I'll do another joke. Um, <laughs> 
I um I there was I was in the village where I live and and there was a woman I know a bit and she looked really upset like really agitated about something and uh, I I went up to her and I said what's the matter what's going on and she said oh Bob it's this uh, ongoing fuss about the unstable wind turbine on the edge of the village uh, and I said I think you like it I said the fuss about the unstable wind turbine. It'll blow over. <laughs> and she said it has blown over, a man's been killed. Um, so that must be five minutes, is it, Andy? Pretty much. Yeah, fuck it, that'll do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Wildlife. Uh, you stick around, Bob. Good. Good. All right. Lovely. All right, Richard. All right, Paul. How are the uh, how are the kids? Can't have kids. Classic. <laughs> you know, Rich is actually my uh, support act. You know? No way. How many gigs have you done together? This is uh, this is the first one. Really? Okay. How's it going? Not great. Well, uh, maybe we can read some more out from Rich's CV. That was fun. Uh, you can tell me if he's embellishing anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've, I've listed some of my interests on here. Um, so, favourite book, um, obviously, the dictionary. <laughs> dictionary? What do you mean? Dictionary? Dictionary. It's a list of words. Alphabetical order. Like, it tells you what they mean. I, like, Collins, do you want Oxford? I know what a dictionary is. Yeah, you do now. <laughs> Occupation. Um, words. What does that even mean? Well, I make money from work, from words and, uh, and doing stuff like this. <laughs> not this, obviously. I'm getting paid for this, aren't I? You're not getting paid for this. <laughs> I got a phone call this morning from the BBC asking me to come in tonight and write a poem for the Doctor Who Christmas special. And I turned them down. I said, I can't because Bristopia needs me. You didn't get a phone call from the BBC this morning. I'm joking, honestly, I did. I'm not joking, honestly, you didn't. That was me. <laughs> I didn't even change my voice. I can't believe you didn't recognise me. I was standing next to you at the bus stop. <laughs> Do you honestly think the Director General of the BBC signs off his phone calls by going, you're a dozy bellend biscuit, I'll see you at the Cube this evening? I thought I was just like TV jargon or something. <laughs> Look, mate, when, you, when you've been at the top of your game for as long as I have, you get a feel for what it takes to, uh, to stay there. I'm trying to toughen you up, Biscuit, that's what I'm saying. Turn you into a, a bourbon, or, you know, from this Jaffa cake. It's not even a biscuit. Exactly. Stick with me, sunshine. I suppose you are getting paid for this. It's all in a good cause, mate. <laughs> Right, qualifications, um, <laughs> an MVQ in make-believe. <laughs> What's an MVQ in make-believe? Look, I know I'm not allowed to do it, but it was a joke, all right? Like one of Bob's jokes. So essentially you've got a B-Tech in lies, not even an A-level. Did you make up the plot of the whole Doctor episode that you described to me? Was that actually the one? The, the, where the Doctor fucks a Dalek with the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> While reciting ancient Time Lord poetry. Yeah, in the TARDIS. In the TARDIS sex dungeon. Yes, I made that up. What happens after he fucks a Dalek? 
I don't know, probably Rich finishes himself off in a corner on his CV, I don't. <laughs> She got quite bad anxieties, isn't really. <laughs> Broken biscuits. All right, Bob. Come on, it's December. It's almost Christmas. That's not very Christmassy, okay? Not very Christmassy. My wife left me at Christmas. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, maybe we should move on. That's what she said. That's <laughs> not what that means. Okay, the spring was an important time in Bristol. It saw the arrival of a new exhibition title withdrawn. It saw Lee Woods play host to a number of maroon boats. Such radical subversion got me thinking about what we might see next year. Uh, cars in Chew Valley Lake, trains in the bus station, snakes on a plane! It's happened before, it'll happen again, I swear. Okay. The exhibition was actually intended to highlight the plight of Southwest fishermen, though when questioned, one fisherman said the idea was odd and that he's never caught anything in the woods except a couple dogging and a group of university film students making a found footage horror movie. Don't, don't look at it. And of course, who could forget the day that George Ferguson got caught speeding on the portway? Despite introducing a 20 mile per hour limit across the city, George was clocked breaking the limit by a mobile speed camera. However, he did say he was happy to pay the fine and was simply relieved no one also caught him smoking at the wheel, uh, tailgating old ladies, or flicking the V's at passing cyclists. <laughs> Bristol Prison also made the headlines after an independent monitoring board described it as uh, unsafe if not dangerous. An astute observation from the board that went on to describe Bristol Harbour as damp if not wet, uh, the cinema as a place for a movies, uh, for movies if not films, and salad as healthy if not disappointing. Good. Okay, I said at the top of the show we were going to meet the American intern exchange student Justin Crockler, so uh, why don't we get him up via video link? Uh, I apologise if uh, there's any interference in the video, trying to get any kind of modern technology into the cube has proved quite challenging. I tried to make a cup of tea with a pyramid tea bag earlier, the mug exploded. Justin, you there? Hey Andy, hello audience members. Do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely, I am Justin. Please use your full title. I'm American Intern Exchange student Justin Crockley, Jackson Pidgeoli, Cosby Pinkett Smith, Kardashian West. All right, thanks, Justin. Okay, so uh, this is great. Uh, Justin came to us from an American podcast called This American Life. It's often found at the top of the iTunes charts, and I thought, you know what, let's get him over to Bristol. He could do social documentaries about the city we live in. It would be wonderful. I thought we'd get him over. He could do all his magic here. It would be a bit like uh, this Bristopian life. Shit, that's a much better name for the podcast, damn it. Well, that's what I said. Fuck off, Justin. Oh, we've also got Richard Biscuit and Bob Wildlife here. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, this is, uh, this is fascinating. I, I love the accent. I've, uh, I've never met an American now before. Now you have. What are you doing? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> why has he not come down? Um, there are reasons Justin can't be here tonight. Like, like what? What are you doing? God. Oh my God. Why isn't Justin spending Christmas with his family? Well, I'm an unpaid intern. I can afford a ticket home. Why don't you pay him? Well, it's not like I put him on a zero hours contract or anything. This is worse. You're not paying well. I paid internship. Well, I think those empty seats up there probably answer that question. <laughs> can't we get him down? Practically, we can't. What? Why? Why? Well, look at him. <laughs> he looks sad. Sad that he hasn't been invited to his own show's live event. All right, Justin, we'll check back in with you later. Look, I'm also a little bit worried about who else might come down with him if we invite him down. What do you mean? Well, he's gotten really into Rupert Murdoch. How do you get really into Rupert Murdoch? <laughs> it's like House of Cards. 
Well, he says he's a spirit animal. Walrus. Do you remember when I told you that your spirit animal was a hungry dinosaur who lived in the cupboard in your bedroom? <laughs> yeah. It was five. Shut the bird. Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Oh, we don't talk about that. Okay. Um, it, it was really funny up until the point I went to put uh, some eggs in the fridge and uh, Richard was hiding in there. <laughs> That's pretty, that sounds pretty funny. They were my wife's eggs. Oh. They went everywhere. Stank. All right, okay, well, I think we've heard enough chat between the three of us, so why don't we welcome to the stage our musical guest for this evening. Please welcome to the stage, Will Harding. Hello, well, I'm here this evening to uh, <coughs> tell you a few truths straight from the horse's mouth. The horse, in this case, is the Bristol Weekend Post. The local rag that holds up a dirty mirror to Bristol's face and says, you could stand to lose a few pounds, fatty. <laughs> News in brief. For the 11th of December. 6 a.m. St. Werberg's. As usual, free-range chickens and converted ambulances in equal number litter the streets and obstruct the morning traffic. An amateur magician is learning how to saw her boyfriend in half from a YouTube video. It's gone wrong a few times already. She gives up, puts the bits in a cupboard and passes on lunch. 11.45. The populace of Totterdown opens an eye, weighs things up, decides to skip Thursday and goes back to sleep, probably for the best. 1308 Park Row, Bristol University Student Theatre. One person is screaming and another is flicking the lights on and off. They've been doing this for 20 minutes. Ah! An usher politely asks them to return to their seats as part two of your good man, Charlie Brown, is about to start. 1400 Clifton Village. Mayor Ferguson's left foot has worn duffed just enough to give his right one a go in the only sock. He's splashing about splashing about in the puddles between the empty pizza box monoliths and soiled National Geographics, struggling to see in the dimness of his Regency basement flat. He hasn't eaten for three days. A rat has given birth to a litter in his hair, and his Wi-Fi is stuck at three bars. He washes himself in tango because he always likes to leave the house smelling like a children's birthday party. 1704, Bitten. Noel Edmonds' wife wants to go to the live recording of Bristopia podcast and asks Noel to unlock their walk-in wardrobe. Security is tight since a poltergeist, attracted by occultist box opening rituals, has been making their lives a misery. It's been getting her thigh boots all dirty, stretching her blouses, eating her lipstick at night. Noel's done a bit of research online has ensured her that the tangrams tattooed onto his chest will keep the spirits away from the kid key hidden inside his knickers. 19, well, 
What time is it now? Nine o'clock, I suppose. Nine o'clock, the Cube Theatre. A man with a small guitar struggles to read his own writing. The audience aren't listening anyway. They're hot and bothered, eager for a thrill and undressing him with their eyes. After some faffing about, he plays the first song. Thank you for your patience. My cousin lives up in Yorkshire. He says life up there is tough. Jobs are hard to come by. A lot of people are sleeping rough. But I said in one way you got it easy. In one way you've been let off Down here it's much harder to lather Yeah, your water is naturally soft We got hard water problems It ain't easy It runs down through the Mendip Hills It's flowing through our drains Well, I guess it is diluted slightly every time it rains but it's clogging up my kettle in my sink there's a permanent stain who's to say it isn't leaving lime scale deposits all up in my brain we got hard water problems it ain't easy where six water wash their hands of it they get off scot-free They say we can't change the makeup Of the local geology But we're all brought bring up Britta consumables I gotta put tablets in my fish tank And the fat cats at Calgon Are laughing all the way to the bank We got hard water problems It ain't easy Picked up a copy of the Evening Post Saw the front page photograph It was a top-down angle portrait of a family looking sad on their garden path Didn't buy a copy in the end But I saw that the headline read Average cost of shower gel every month over £4.50 per head We got hot water problems It ain't easy Yeah, Mayor Ferguson's on his knees With his marigolds and sillet bang spray He's struggling with the... And the, and the splashback was making pinched bleach marks on his knees And they're not going away The councillor's knocking on the door They say, man, how long you gonna be? He said, boy, I got hot water problems It ain't easy If you're thinking it's easy Thinking it's easy while well, you're wrong. Thank you. Uh, you gonna you gonna stick around with us, Will? Uh, no. Oh, okay, fine.
Cool, well that was, uh, enjoyed that musical guest. Hope you guys did too. So let's move back to what's been happening in the last year. 2015 also saw Bristol host the Found Footage Festival. It focused on existential crises and how if they didn't keep losing the footage, there'd be no festival at all. Later in the summer, the city played host to the Shaun the Sheep Trail, which saw fiberglass representations of Ardman's second most famous animal scattered across the city. And um, I, couldn't, I couldn't really think of anything to add to this. I couldn't really think of any uh, jokes. So I don't know if you guys have got any ideas. The only thing I could think about was something to do with uh, like sheep shearing, like Shaun, sheep shearing, Shaun? That, that, that's the joke, though. That's why they're called Shaun. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, it's like Shaun the Sheep, like spot the dog. Spot the dog. Yeah, or, um... Fuck the cat. <laughs> well, or, or, like, pat the cat, maybe. Don't really pat a cat, do you? Pat a dog. <laughs> pat the cat? Pat the cat. Pat the cat. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. And of course, there was the Harbour Festival 2015 as well, uh, which saw lots of uh, bands play. Fucking festivals. <laughs> Got a problem with them? There's only three things I hate more than a festival, mate. Yeah, what are they? Oh, um. <laughs> Nazis. Always the Nazis. Uh, farmers. And uh, probably the beautiful South. Right, good. Okay, Queen Square also hosted Arcadia. It featured top DJs playing to huge crowds overlooked by a giant mechanical spider. It was the most elaborate anti-arachnophobics rally in the world has ever seen. Uh, there was also controversy that Bristol UKIP candidate Johnny Rockard Langley led a double life as a porn star. Many were outraged that someone seeking election to public office could be involved uh, in the organisation and distribution of morally dubious, arguably degrading and offensive material, but not really that bothered he was making porn. The Bristol Crocodile was the big news of 2014, but 2015 saw uh, the, the belief that the wily reptilian had returned. However, after hearing about it day in, day out for three weeks last year, I decided I would not be giving a shit for anything less than a Floridian manatee. That, um, before, mm. I haven't... What? A cat thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was uh, a bit ropey, but, uh, so thanks for that, guys. Uh, let's get back on track, yeah? Maybe uh, we can, from now on, have a little bit less wildlife, you know, a little bit more fun, uh, a little bit less poetry, a little bit more, uh, well, anything really. Poetry is a bit rubbish. Yeah. Studying. What? Well, I, you don't even do poems about Bristol. I warned you about this. I don't really know why you're here. All right, what are you doing then? Go on. What are you doing about Bristol? Yeah. Um, roses are red. Bit obvious. Well, I love them somewhere now. Where's the Yeah. Bristol. Check. Yeah. Is. Blue. Fuck off. See, that's rubbish. Point proven. Okay, right. Uh, let's get to our next guest for this evening. Now, I, uh, I talked about her a bit earlier on. She claims to be the number one Ardman animation fan in the entire city. Quite the claim. She started writing her own uh, screenplay about Wallace and Gromit, so why don't we find out more about her? Please welcome to the stage, Ellen Waddell! <laughs>
theme tune's a bit long. You're going to fade it out. Stop it. Wallace and Gromit first appeared on screen in 1990 when Nick Park cast them in his first short film, Grand Day Out. You're not going to come for a chat. They have made many film and TV specials since then and won numerous plaudits and awards, including the Oscar for Best Actor, which Gromit took home in 2005, narrowly beating Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I have all of their work on DVD and VHS and I watch them every day. You may as well carry on. Now. My favourite thing to do is to watch Wallace and Gromit while I drink cups of Yorkshire tea and I touch myself. What was that? <laughs> when I was 10, I was asked what I wanted to be when I grew up and I said made of plasticine. <laughs> you, should, uh, you should try silicon. Bob, she's a teenager. Is she? She doesn't look like a teenager. <laughs> Sounds like she's had a hard life. I went to Nick Park's house once dressed as a character from Aardman. I shaved off my eyebrows and I wore false teeth. I thought he would be excited that one of his characters had come to life, but... When I got in the shower with him, he wasn't excited. He was scared and he begged for his life. <laughs> when my mum picked me up from the police station, she said, God must have been a bit distracted when he made me. <laughs> in, the <laughs> in the 2005 film Curse the Were-Rabbit, Wallace and Grom actually turn a bunny into a giant rabbit. I tried to turn my bunny into a giant rabbit once by letting a rabid dog bite it. It didn't work, and it took five days to die. Jesus. <laughs> Wallace and Gromit love cheese more than anything. Sadly, I am allergic to cheese, which proves there is no God, because if there was, why would he take away my enzyme to digest lactose? This backfired. Although I cannot ingest cheese, I still like to smear it all over my body, filling every crevice with it like dairy polyfiller. And at night, I sleep on a pillow made of Edam. That would uh, be enough to give you nightmares, because... Cheese. It doesn't give me nightmares! But it's hard in the winter when the mice come. Mice don't really like cheese. Uh, they like chocolate. Wallace is also a bit of a oh. ladies' man, having had three girlfriends. Wendelin Ransbottom, Lady Tottington, and Paella Bakewell. Or as I like to call them, the undeserving slut brigade. <laughs> Not sure if I care anymore, to be honest with you. I, I care a bit. Gromit has only had one love interest, Fluffles, or as I like to call her, that massive bitch. That's actually quite clever. That's actually quite yeah. clever. Yeah. There is much noted sexual chemistry between Wallace and Gromit, and in some scenes, Wallace can be seen to have a noticeable hard-on, particularly when he is calling Gromit a bad dog. And in Curse the Were-Rabbit, they grow vegetables in a vegetable patch, and they have carrots there, and they get really big, like a turgid cockwood. Whoa, Ellen, come on. That's too much. That's, that's, but, you can't do that. Can you just uh, sit down, please? I think but you've, I haven't read out my Wallace and Gromit screenplay yet. I'm sure it'll be massively inappropriate, so please just... It's really good! Honestly, I promise I won't say anything inappropriate. I thought you could be the director and, and read out the screen directions. What, me? Mm-hmm. A director? Yeah. Well, absolutely then. Come on, let's do it. Uh, you got I'll, a script? Yeah, I'll play Gromit. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll read the screen directions as the director. Uh, do you want to find someone who can read the words of Wallace? Yeah, please. Yeah. Not him. Not him. Thank you. Okay. Here you go. Oh, it's gone for that. That young man. The front there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the screen directions. 
Ellen's going to do uh, Gromit, and if you could do uh, the lines of Wallace on the script here. So I'll, I'll start first. Interior, night. Wallace and Gromit sit down for a plate of cheese and crackers. Wallace turns to Gromit and says... Gromit, would you like some cheese? <laughs> oh no, we have run out and we can't afford any more. It is so hard to be a professional Yorkshireman <laughs> in this unreliable economy. I guess one of us will have to go on the game. You, um, you going to say anything, Alan? <laughs> Dogs can't talk, you idiot. Okay, oh, it's my, it's my go, sorry. Uh, Gromit rubs his thighs suggestively. Not his thigh. Get that stand down. Uh, before Wallace turns to Gromit once more and says... Well, it can't be me that goes on the game, Gromit. It has to be you, because I have herpes. Oh, my Ellen! What are you doing? Get back up here. Jesus Christ. Uh, you promised. You promised. And my mum promised. My mum promised she wouldn't leave me in a mental institution for a month. All right. Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry she made you say the H word. Right, so after that complete car crash, what do we do now? I guess we uh, we check back in with, with Justin, shall we? Justin, you there? Hey, yeah, I'm still here. Justin, have I ever told you what a handsome man you are? Yes, you tell me that every morning when you're brushing your teeth. Why is he there when you're And may your I teeth? say you look very handsome yourself this evening, Andy. That's a wonderful suit. Thank you, Justin. You know, it's uh, it's weird, isn't it? What? You, the only person you seem to have had any rapport with tonight is Justin. Oh, okay, I'm going to go. All right, uh, catch you in a bit, Justin. Uh, what do you mean? You do look quite alike. I've got a beard. Like... And I wear clothes, so funny story. Uh, Justin's been working on a documentary for the podcast in which he's uh, visiting Bristol's burgeoning nudist community. He turned up at the other week in the office in just desert boots and a trilby. <laughs> when I walk around my flat in the yeah. nude, uh, I have to wear high heels or my balls drag on the floor. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, you can't have kids. Fuck off. <laughs> guys, come on. Come on, guys. Uh, that's very inappropriate, so... Good. Well, why don't we um, get Justin down? Get him down? Yeah, we could get do. him down. We could do. I mean, I don't think this could get much worse, so... Sure. Well, yeah, why not? I wanted this to be celebration about Bristol, and, uh, you know, I've just been left with you guys. You've just been interrupting the whole time. I thought, you know, like, um, we could... Uh, we could. I've just got a depressed poet laureate. Childless divorcee. This plaster seemed weirdo over there. He's sniffing around for someone to sleep with, like some kind of sex star maniac. It's ridiculous. You remind me of a dog I used to have. Bob, that's <laughs> what? Not There's nothing wrong with that, mate. That's classic Bob Wildlife. Getting your money's worth. You know what? I did try and pay you, Richard. You gave me a packet of Garibaldi's. What's wrong with that? Well, you wouldn't pay Bob in hedgehogs, would you? <laughs> How many hedgehogs? Not getting paid in hedgehogs, Bob. Yeah, well, hypothetically, how many hedgehogs? Um, eight. Eight, eight hedgehogs or eight sacks of hedgehogs? <laughs> Why do I only get one packet of Garibaldi's then? How many Garibaldi's in a packet? Twelve. Right, I want twelve sacks of hedgehogs. You're not getting paid in hedgehogs. Oh, fine. And get my own hedgehogs. What I'm saying is you, you can't just <laughs> pay someone based on what their name is. Why not? 
can't, you can't like, put a price on a surname, because what's your surname? Well, it's Price. <laughs> I'm Andy Price. Okay, so uh, we're almost at the end of our show now. I guess we should probably cut it a little bit short, seeing as uh, it's kind of fallen apart a bit since you guys come on. Thanks, though. Um, you know, I want to make a nice show, but uh, I'll keep my professional end of the uh, bargain. I'll ask the interview questions. What is next for you guys? I had my first orgasm when I was 13, when Wendelin told Wallace she was allergic to cheese. Yep, thanks for that. <laughs> Even Wensleydale. What about you guys? Um... We're, we're doing a prank show. Rich has worked up a treatment for Sky. We've done a pilot. It's, uh, we go out and find vulnerable members of the public do cruel and unnecessary pranks on them. One woman had a, a tiny bleed in her brain. So just, just, uh, yeah. What, what's it called? Oh, what's it called? It's called uh, Animal Crackers. Oh, uh, why is it called Animal Crackers? Why is it called Animal Crackers? Because it's like a pun on our names. Animal like wildlife and crackers like this. Oh, this is... Bullshit! <laughs> Are you taking the piss out of my name? Not my name. I mean, they're both made-up names, aren't they? <laughs> what part of Bob Wildlife sounds made up? I mean, come on. My dad was Alan Wildlife. His dad was Tony Wildlife. This is fucking bullshit. So <laughs> Right, good. Okay, well, that sounds like it's gonna be a massive flop. Maybe we all came down to contribute to the podcast. Yeah, some contribution that turned out to be. It's just been a waste of time, right? Like, you just ruined it? Well, we, oh, we do have uh, one more guest to go. Forgot about him. Uh, our first proper guest of the evening. Uh, we've got Bristol Mayor George Ferguson coming out. So, uh, well, let's welcome him to the stage. Okay. <laughs> What are you two laughing at? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I don't know where he is. What's what's going on? He said he'd be here. He left me a voicemail this morning. I've got it here somewhere. Actually, I'll play it for you. Hello, Andy. This is George Ferguson, the Duke of Bristol. I will be your guest on the Bristol Ocean Radio Podcast at the Sphere Maxiplex in Spokesloft this evening. Oh Sincerely, me, George Ferguson, the Mayor of Bedminster. What? What? Come on, mate. Does, it, does this sound familiar? Hello, I'm the mayor. No, it doesn't. I wrote that. Why are you getting involved? <laughs> it's nice to be asked. In, in 2014, George Ferguson gave tax breaks to Arban, but in 2015, he can't even be bothered to break a tenner to get a bus to the Cube. Mm. So that was just a joke? Yeah, it's funny though, isn't it? It's not fucking funny! The fuck are you doing? This is supposed to be a show! About Bristol, my show? You've come along. You've ruined the whole thing. What are you doing? Our star guest isn't turning up. You've ruined it. What do you expect? <laughs> you didn't pay anyone except Bob. And I have actually drunk half my payment, so... <laughs> you didn't invite one of the main guests on the, on the podcast down to this. Justin, the guy's a bellend. Look, all I'm saying is that we all tried to contribute and, you know, show people that Bristol's got a bit of personality. It sounds like you've ruined this all by yourself. You know what? Fuck you guys, I'm leaving. (laughs) 
Nick Park once gave £412 to a dog's what home in Henley's. What are we going to do? Oh, no. <laughs> that was good, though, yeah. I'm crying. Yeah. I wish someone had been filming that. Yeah. It's not called Animal Crackers. <laughs> you should call it Jacob's Cream Crackers. I don't think you should get involved with things you don't know about. Oh, you're a little prick, Biscuit. <laughs> you always have been. Ever since the day you were born. How you know? uh, I've always looked out for you, mate. You were going off the rails. I got you that job as my support act. I don't need a support act. I'm a wildlife ranger. Wallace once turned down a leading role in Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance, or to star in a close shave. Can I come home with you? Yes. amazing this is a it's a nice stage I guess I should tell a few jokes right that's what people do out here so uh, first joke I'm sorry I'm late I had to get a bus here first bus where's but yeah you know it okay so uh, where is everyone like uh, have I missed the show what's going on I guess I'll have to spend my first Christmas in Bristol all alone after all Psst, Justin what was that Yes, it is I, Rupert Murdoch, the, the saviour of Christmas. What, what was that? Murdoch the halls with boughs of holly. Say again? Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Eight hours on the mega bus and that was the best I could come up with. Oh my God, Rupert Murdoch, this is amazing, my spirit animal. What the fuck is that thing? Oh, don't worry about that. Uh, so wait, you take the Megabus? Yeah, of course I do. I'm a, I'm a man of the people, me. Patron saint of billionaires. Mayor of Shushington. That's the secret island only the super rich know about. Saviour of Christmas. Why do you keep saying you're the saviour of Christmas? Because I'm the real father of Christmas. Look, it's obvious, isn't it? Jolly old Saint Root. And I'm here to help my old buddy, Justin, get this show back on track. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, you've had a tough year. I mean, you bought National Geographic, right? That's amazing, considering everyone thinks you're a climate change denier. I'm 100% green living, me! That was the bloody media taking me out of context again. What do you mean? Well, I was, I was denying it, you know, like 
Fuck you, climate change. Back in your box. I deny you. Well, uh, what about when you went on Twitter and denied that Barack Obama was even black? <sighs> that was just me being a daft old racist. <laughs> Classic root. Anyway, what are we going to do about this podcast? Look at these people, they're livid. Their faces are etched with disappointment. We don't want this to become a total disaster. Not like the Leveson Inquiry. <laughs> what can I do? I'm just an intern. You're more than that, mate. Why, when you left this podcast... It got shitter. A bit shitter. <laughs> You're the only one on that show that believes in people. You're the only one that believed in me. Why, your documentaries reach thousands. Well, hundreds. Hundreds of people. Well, that one you did about the nudists. Oh, it touched my heart, it did. Oh, I stripped down naked as the day I was birthed out that Sheila that I call Mum Sheila. <laughs> oh, so excited I was. Trouble was, I was in order at the time, <laughs> getting my bits. <laughs> Security said it was my bits that was causing all the kerfuffle. <sighs> anyway, that's not the point. The point is, do you love Bristol? Of course I do. How can you ask me that? Then you can't let those guys spend Christmas alone. They, they may have their problems, but they do have each other. And they've got you, too. Sorry, forgot my, forgot my beer. <laughs> Justin? Hey. Justin! How's it going? It's good you missed the show. Oh. Oh, it was shit. Oh, it was... okay. That's fine. Oh. Oh, my God. It's a nice t-shirt. Where have you been? What? How old are you? Sixteen. That is a massive relief. <laughs> you can give me the same one. Oh. Alright, Justin. Hey, how's it going? This is okay. You watch your fucking mouth, boy! Rupert Murdoch. Shall we uh, go back to mine, drink tequila, watch the hedgehogs fight? Well, I, I can't go. What? Well, I can't leave the show like this. Why not? Well, I learned something today, guys. It's not about who you don't have at Christmas. It's about who you do have. I mean, take you, for example, Bob. You keep saying you're all alone in life. I think I said it once by accident. Oh, I mean, the point is, I've seen you and Richard on stage together. It's, it's amazing. You're, you're like a father and a son. Uh, working on a project in the garage. But you're not in the garage. You're out here, together, on stage. Stage? Stage. Stage. I mean, the point is, Richard, we didn't really get to your backstory. It's not interesting enough, I guess. But for the sake of the narrative, let's just say uh, you were uh, your father left when you were four years old and you were bullied at school. Broken biscuits. <laughs> See, that's great. And Ellen, I was going to make some big like speech about your overactive sexual libido and my lack of a girlfriend, but, um, you know, Richard got there first. And I have a boyfriend. 
He's sitting right there. Listen, I know you all think I'm a little eccentric. No, you're mental. Wobbler than that kangaroo I put up a ladder. But aren't we all? We're a city united by weirdness. Where else would you combat traffic calming measures with a weapon of mass destruction? I came to Bristopia tonight hoping to find a safe haven, hoping to find people who are as passionate about something as I am about Ardman. People who are obsessed with biscuits. A bit more to me than that. But. And wildlife. And people who just wanted to make a show where people have fun. And that's all Andy wanted to do. And now he's backstage crying like a pathetic, wimpy, smelly, ugly, stupid baby. That's a bit mean. Because he, because he thinks it's failed, but it hasn't. Hasn't it, though? No. This has been the greatest night of my life. And I once poked a dead body with a stick for an hour. I'll tell you what we do. We plan on some change right now. You know, we'll watch a Wallace and Gromit marathon. We'll watch the Hedgehog fight. And then we'll drink the Keeler and Bob Garnett. We'll throw up all over the future world. Oh, I've gone down to Dunny, mate. Pay for my Well, I guess we'll just sit around eating bubbles of biscuits then. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we're together at Christmas. In Bristol. Together at Christmas. Come on, guys. Let's go find Andy. Oh, Rupert saves the bloody day again! God bless us, everyone! Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.